You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is Clash of Minds, Episode 8, with Walter Feit. As we saw in the first half, the rulers who have received power to rule over the children of disobedience have a certain mindset which may be suppressed for long periods of time, but when it manifests itself, it is the same mindset that was manifested by Herod. So the Herodian mind is one that is in enmity with God, even though it has power over God's people. The Herodian mindset will also try to make the worship of God subject to his own ideology. Because Herod put the eagle of Rome on the temple of Yahweh that he restored. So this mindset can be followed all the way through history. And when it culminates in oppressive regulations and rules which contradict God's law, then God says probation is over. That, in brief summary of what we've said so far, we saw that the mark of Anu is central to the Roman power. Now, let's have a look at another beast. Revelation 13, 11, Then beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him. What kind of power does the first beast claim to have? It says it has two swords. The one is the spiritual power, and the other one is the temporal power, and that the spiritual power is over the temporal power. We saw those papal encyclicals. Who wields the second sword on his behalf in the world we are living in today. Well, the Bible tells us, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon, and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him, on his behalf, and causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So the power... The secular arm of power that he wields and uses is particularly manifested in the second beast, which is the United States of America. And here is the Capitol, and on top of the Capitol you have a female deity, Persephonus, Venus if you like. She is the same as the Ishtar, the ruler of the night. The consort of Marduk, who was given authority to rule over the children of evil. Now, a capitol can only be subject to the god Jupiter, because he was the capitol, and that is the god of Rome. And so we have the similarities in architecture, and the one is subject to the other, but the female deity, the deity of the rulership over the children of darkness, in an occult fashion, contrary to the worship of God, but supposedly subject to him. And it shall come to pass, says 1 Kings 19.17, that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Yehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Yehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. So God uses the temporal power to punish even God's people when they are apostate. 
And he has done this many times over. Has he not used those who claim rulership of the children of disobedience to punish God's people in the past? Yes or no? He certainly has. And history becomes just so much clearer if we understand these things. Because people are so confused. How can God do this? How can this happen? We are living on a planet of disobedience. And God, by permitting this, is extending the hour of grace and giving an opportunity. Now the sword that comes out of the mouth of Elijah, is that an earthly sword or is that a spiritual sword? It simply means that those who don't accept the message that comes out of the mouth of Elisha, who wears the cloak of Elijah, in other words, the Elijah message, they will die. They will die. And they will fall subject to the other sword, which is in the hands of Jehu. And he also served the Lord in sorts, but the Bible says his heart was not right and he served other gods and he followed the ways of Jeroboam. But he was still used as a sword. But he saves the poor from the sword, from their mouth, from their mouth and from the hand of the mighty. Now the poor here, of course, are those who are destroyed in spirit. Those who seek something better who seek the Lord. This is not talking about literal poverty. And Joab, Joab said, make ready. And his chariot was made ready. And Joram, king of Israel, and Isaiah, king of Judah, went out each in his chariot. And they went out against Jehu and met him in the portion of Naboth, the Jezreelite. This is a very fascinating story. We'll do a little bit more about this in the second half. Now we know that Ahab coveted Naboth's vineyard. And eventually Jezebel, who serves as a type of the church, gave it to him by her authority. But this is where he meets him, and it came to pass when Joram saw Jehu that he said, Is it peace, Jehu? And he answered, What peace? So long as the whoredoms of thy mother Jezebel and her witchcrafts are so many. That counts for today too. There can be no peace as long as the whoredoms of Jezebel are so many. There can be no peace. It is war from the beginning, and I will put enmity. This war hasn't stopped, but I've got good news for you. It's coming to a head. This is the black obelisk of the Third. showing Jehu paying tribute. So here is his obelisk, and there is Jehu, and he is paying tribute. This was a prince of Israel. This is the sword was given to him to correct the faults in Israel. He slew all the descendants of Ahab. And eventually he also slew Jezebel. Typologically, this is a fascinating story. But there's something else that's very interesting about this. Here is the third, and here is his symbol of authority. Can you see that? So this man, Jehu, who was ruling and who was king in Israel, was only ruling as king subject to whom? Subject to Shalmaneser. Now if you take Shalmaneser down the line of history, you go through the Babylonian kings, the same authority stayed with them, then the Medo-Persians, then the Greeks, then the Romans, and then Papal Rome. They all followed the same line. And anybody who rules and wields the sword must be subject to the king of Babylon. Now there's something else that's fascinating about this. You can't see the whole of it here, but there's a little bit more in this reconstruction. They're all wearing cute little hats. Jehu is wearing one. There it is. And those carrying the tribute are also wearing some. Can you see that? 
What is also interesting is that these people have beards. Jehu has a beard, and these have beards. But these two servants of Shalmaneser and that one don't have beards. What does that tell you? They were eunuchs in the court of the king. And because they have this little funny little hat, if you take this hat through, all the way through history, it has a connotation with the god Mitraism. Mitra. But Mitra is just a further continuance of the sun god. And in a sense, later it became the Phrygian cap and it became the cap of the revolution in France where freedom was given to the citizens. So the hat, the Phrygian hat, is a symbol of subservience to the sun god, but it is also a symbol of being a free man. And as a free man, you could procreate. You weren't castrated. You could procreate. And you could rule and you could be free on one condition. And that was? You can only be free and a free man if you are subject to the ruler who has the sign and the mark of Anu. Then you could be free. Then you could be free. Now, before you go too far, in our previous sermon we said you can either be slaves to righteousness or slaves to unrighteousness. God's people will also bow down to a ruler because the Bible says every knee will bow. That includes God's people, right? But the difference is this. This one is by compulsion and fear. The other one will be out of free choice. So who is really free? Only those who serve Jesus Christ. So this little hat, this Phrygian hat over here, means I am a free man. I am a free man, but I am subservient. Now if you were a part of the occult line, then these symbols were all used. Now in Freemasonry, they trace their origin of their rituals that they have today to the Knights Templars. And they were great builders of castles and banks and builders, builders, builders. Does that remind us of something? Coming down that line? And they were called Freemasons, which means brother masons. But if you transliterate it directly into English, eventually it becomes free mason. And the word free gets another connotation other than a brotherly guild. It's also, I am free. I can be what I want to be provided. I bow. I bow. So the god Mitra wore this little hat as was worn by Jehu. So I don't want the little hat. You can keep it. But the United States Senate has what there in its emblem? The little hat. And the United States military has what there in its symbol? So is it the symbol of subservience to the king of Babylon, yes or no? Yes. And are they free? Yes, they are free maçons. They are free to rule. They are free to exercise the power on behalf of the other one. But they really, they are in bondage to a system. If you want to read an interesting book, then get Rulers of Evil. And it comes out in two covers. One has the God as it is in on the great dome of the Capitol building, where there is marvelous symbolism. And uh, here you have this female deity wielding the sword over the children of disobedience. And it also has the god Mercury on the dome, the mercurial god, the Pied Piper, who leads by deceit people into Hades, and who is the god of commerce 
and finances the revolution of the colonies against Britain. All the symbolism is in there, the same as you will find the symbolism in Rome. But this cover is rather revealing because the symbol of Anu is placed on the chest of whom there? Which priest? What kind of priest? Jesuit priest. And I found this fascinating that a man who doesn't have the prophecies that we have and this great privilege that we have can come to such conclusions was mind-boggling. The preface of the book was written by journalist Pat Shannon and he writes a very fascinating preface. He says, the only people in the world, it seems, who believe in conspiracy theory of history are those of us who have studied it. <laughs> he makes another statement later on. He says, you will read this book from cover to cover and you will highlight it over and over and over again. He said, make sure that you put it on the bottom of your shelf that all your children will someday get hold of it. And then he continues and says, while Franklin D. Roosevelt might have exaggerated when he said nothing happens in politics by accident, if it happens, it was planned that way. Carol Quigley, now let me tell you who Carol Quigley was, he was the Jesuit of Georgetown University who was the lecturer of the presidents that studied there and of all the great people that rule in America, amongst others, Bill Clinton. Carol Quigley, he writes, Bill Clinton's favorite professor at Georgetown University, boldly admitted in his Tragedy and Hope, written in 1966, that A, the multitudes were already under the control of a small but powerful group bent on world domination, and B, that Quigley, who was a Jesuit himself, was part of that group. So out of the mouth of the professor of Georgetown University, the Jesuit University, he says there's a group, a powerful elite that rules the world and he's part of it. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I wonder what this man learnt there. Let's see what he learnt. And a special thanks to the members of the Roosevelt family who are here, and to one who is not, Eleanor, who made sure that the four freedoms were included in the preamble to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights in 1948. I know that because, as all of you famously learned when I served as president, my wife, now the Secretary of State, was known to commune with Eleanor on a regular basis. And so she called me last night on her way home from Peru to remind me to say that, that Eleanor had talked to her and reminded her that I should say that. Now my question is this. This is a ruler. Is he, was he ruling according to the dictates of God, yes or no? Judging by what you just heard? No. So he's a ruler over the children who would worship God according to their own methodology. Is that correct? Please don't misunderstand me. God loves them. God reaches out to them. God wants them all to be saved. If he went to the trouble that he went to for Nebuchadnezzar, and he went to the same trouble, even more so, in the case of Herod, then I am convinced that he will do the same for these presidents. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just discussing a historic scenario. So spiritism forms part and parcel of the way in which government is enacted. Because under the Reagan administration, they used astrology and divination to determine how they were going to run things, when they were going to meet, what days they were going to do what, everything ran according to an occult calendar. That's common history. Everybody knows it. 
and how we have, out of the horse's mouth, that the Secretary of State receives instruction from a deceased individual, probably also as to how to run affairs of state. Now, Lorenzo Ricci, the 18th Superior General of the Society of Jesus, is a fascinating man because he ruled from 1773 to 1814, which means that he also ruled in the time period when the first beast received a mortal wound. And it is fascinating that the black papacy also received a mortal wound because it was apparently banned and disbanded. But then had a resurrection, just like the white papacy. Now, during the order suppression from 1773 to 1814 by Pope Clement, General Ricci created the Illuminati with his soldiers. He didn't go underground because he was to be destroyed. He went underground because it was convenient. Remember that the first beast seemed to have a mortal wound. It doesn't say it had a mortal wound. It seemed to have a mortal wound. Adam Weishaupt, the father of modern communism, who was with the Jacobins who wear the little hat, who may rule subservient to the system, conducted the French Revolution. Years later, Jesuit General Ledochovsky, this one, with his Bolsheviks, conducted the Russian Revolution, 1917, it being identical to the upheaval of 1789, history of the Jesuits. So who fomented this tremendous political upheaval? The Jesuits, behind the scenes. They are the secret rulers of evil. Ex-Guatemala bishop, and this man actually is a Canadian today. He lives in Canada. He claims, Jesuits are the spiritual controllers of the new world order. And this is what he has to say. I'm quoting now some sources for you. I quoted rulers of evil. Now I'm quoting a Catholic bishop. Former bishop Gareth Buffard of Guatemala said, the Vatican is the real spiritual controller of the Illuminati and the new world order, while the Jesuits through the black pope, Jesuit general Friar Peter Hans Kolvenbach, who is now no longer the general, so he wrote this a little while ago. The present one is Adolfo Nicolas, but they're both still alive. Actually control the Vatican hierarchy and the Roman Catholic Church. Bishop Buffard, who left the church and is now born again, Christian, living in Canada, based his conclusion after working six years as Vatican priest assigned the task of passing daily sensitive correspondence between the Pope and the leaders of the Jesuit order residing at Borgo Santo Spirito 5 near St. Peter's Square. Yes, the man known as the Black Pope controls all major decisions made by the Pope and he in turn controls the Illuminati, said Bishop Buffard last week on Greg Simansky's radio show. The investigative journal so-and-so where archives of the startling statements can be heard in their entirety. I know this to be true since I worked for years in the Vatican and traveled with Pope John Paul II. The Pope takes his marching orders from the Black Pope as the Jesuits also are the leaders of the New World Order with the task of infiltrating other religions and governments of the world in order to bring about a one-world fascist government and a one-world religion based on Satanism and Lucifer. Now, in case someone says I'm a conspiracist, I didn't say it, he said it. <laughs> People can't imagine how evil and how much destruction they have caused and will cause, while at the same time using the perfect cover of hiding behind black robes and professing to be men of God. I just want to ask a question. Is what we read here in harmony with what we read out of the great controversy, yes or no? And that is the final question. If we can say that book must go to the world, then why is it that we war against what that book has to say? 
This is the church of the Gesù, Italian Chiesa del Gesù. And notice that it is a G. And in Freemasonry, the letter inside is a G, which has many meanings. The naive will say it means God. No, it will tell you who the real man is behind the power. And in that chapel, you have the famous statue of the church with a, what is that in the hand over here? A lightning bolt. Who carried the lightning bolt in our first little picture? It was Marduk who carried it. And with his lightning bolt, with that power of that divinity, which is a transcript of Cain, who received the power from Anu. With that power, she will destroy Protestantism. This is Luther and Calvin. And that is her mission. If that were not her mission today, why doesn't she cover up this little statue? Why does she leave it there? See, my Lord, from this room, from this room, I govern not only Paris, but China. Not only China, but the whole world, without anyone knowing how it's managed. Michelangelo Tamburini, 1720, general of the Jesuits, speaking to the Duke of Brancas. Revelation 17, verse 15 says, And he says unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the hall sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. How much does she control? Everything. So what happens in China, what happens in Japan, what happens in Korea, is what's supposed to happen. To channel people into a mindset, one mindset, which will finally come into direct conflict with another mindset. Because this is the battle for the mind. Does she control the secret police of the world? The answer is yes. The CIA was formed by Catholic Knight of Malta, William Wilde Bill Donovan. It's considered the father of the CIA. The FBI was also formed by a Knight of Malta, trustee of the Catholic University of America. When Loyola was traveling with the permission of the Pope to Jerusalem, a Knight of Malta, a high general of the Knights of Malta, was with him on the ship. And Loyola received the secrets of the power structure directly from the Knights of Malta. So the two are really one today. That's history. You can check it out. The grand design exposed. The truth is the Jesuits of Rome have perfected Freemasonry to be their most magnificent and effective tool accomplishing their purpose among Protestants. So in Protestant nations, the Freemason organizations all feel very comfortable, but the stop structure is subject to someone they don't even know who it is. And that someone is the black pope in Rome. Malachi Martin, who was strangely removed from this planet, said it is a strange phenomenon in history of the Roman church that every time there's a crisis of extraordinary value, New Masonic orders are called forth, and that is how the Jesuit came into being. It took over the top structure. It received it as a gift. It was the new ruler on this planet. So if you go to the Capitol, it is a temple of Jupiter, and on top of it sits the goddess. And it's interesting that the Capitoline Venus, this great statue in Rome, that was removed only once during the French Revolution from Rome when the papacy received a mortal wound, was recently sent to Washington as a symbol of their unity. And Washington, of course, laid the cornerstone Masonically. Now, this is the great Scottish rite of Freemasonry, Supreme Council, 33 degree. Now, it is a museum but parts of it are open to the public. But uh, as you all know, we are a little bit naughty, my friend in the back there and I. And so while they were showing us around, we managed to sneak off into other places. <laughs> but this is where the great leaders 
actually meet after their decisions are made in the senates and other places, and the real power is determined over here. So we took some pictures that were not part of the tour, and uh, what do you see as you come in? There you see the sign of Anu as worn by Shamash and Maduk. This is in this lodge where the leadership of the United States meets. Now we're just going to go through, and you see its symbol over there, which is the symbol of power. Here's the Supreme Court of the United States. What is the symbol that you see on the wall over there? It's the exact same symbol. We are rulers over the powers of evil. And we will keep them in check. We will make laws. And we will make everybody subject to our laws. But the supreme leaders also have another criterion. They are in conflict with God and with the followers of God. And their intent eventually is always to get rid of Abel or to get rid of the children of Israel or to get rid of the Prince of Peace or to get rid of those who followed the Prince of Peace or to get rid of the remnant of the remnant. Do you see the picture throughout history? Is there any reason why it shouldn't repeat itself? So the sign of Anu is on the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Now I'll take you down into the places where they didn't take us. Welcome to the J. Edgar Hoover Room dedicated to your law enforcement community. And then there's something written here which is hard to read unless you carefully look at it, so I wrote it out for you. The most effective weapon against crime is cooperation. The effort of all law enforcement agency with the support and understanding of the American people. Who wields the sword? The United States of America. On behalf of whom? On behalf of the first piece. The secular power is subject to the spiritual power. FBI activities begun under Mr. Hoover's era. And there are some of the examples. And just to make sure you know what went on with him, he must have been at least a 32 degree Freemason because he's a Shriner and you have to be a 32 degree Freemason to be that, but he was probably 33. So there he is. It's interesting that he has the symbol of the, the moon and the star. We think it is Islam. It has nothing to do with it. It is the symbol of Isis and Horus. It is that symbol of power given by that first parent, given by Cain and his wife to their son, Enoch. And down through the line, through masonry, according to Pike, who traces their history back to the power of Enoch to rule. Here he's shaking hands with the President of the United States, Eisenhower. Our new cities. Are they builders of cities? Yes, very much so. Who's this gentleman? This is taken in that lodge, by the way, in that room. In that room, in that lodge. That's Billy Graham. Shaking hands with Hoover. There he is with the Pope. And he declared the Pope to be the moral leader of the world. Is that Jehu bowing down? Yes or no? And here you have... Norman Vincent Peale, 33 degree Freemason. Took this picture myself down there in the 33 degree Washington Lodge. This is the father of the modern mega church. This is the father of the modern methodology used in the church. Who is he subject to if Rome says that the temporal power is subject to the spiritual power and that spiritual power resides in Rome? He is the father of the megachurch movement. He was the mentor of Robert Schuller, who became the mentor of Hybels and of Rick Warren. 
And the whole plethora of modern theology comes out of this temple lodge. Here is Harry Truman, 33 degree Freemason. And there is the altar inside that shrine. Now, if you look at that altar, it's a replica of what? It's a replica of the altar of offering that was used by the Hebrews. But on top of it is not only the Bible, but the Bhagavad Gita, the Tanakh, the Quran, and the Bible. What does that symbolize? That all religions will be fused into one. So is this children of obedience or children of disobedience? Is this a way to God of your own devising or is it the way, the truth and the life nobody comes to the Father except by me? Well, we can see that quite clearly. Alice A. Bailey, founders of Lucifer Trust, said, there will be no dissociation between the universal church, the sacred lodge of all true masons and the inner circle of the esoteric societies. In this way, the goals and the work of the United Nations will be solidified and a new church of God, led by all the religions and by all the spiritual groups, shall put to an end the great heresy of separateness. So if the Bible says come out and be separate and have nothing to do with this kind of worship, they say the opposite. So these are rulers of evil. Another 33-degree Freemason, we Senator Dole, and here you have Burke showing that the military power is also under their control. This is all taken directly from the pictures hanging down there. And we also happen to step on the holy ground of Albert Pike's grave, and they were horrified. Oh, you're standing on holy ground. What's so holy about it? Pike is here. Unbelievable. Bernstein noted that the leading American players behind Reagan-Vatican conspiracy to a man were devout Roman Catholics, namely William Casey. Now this book was written in 1971. This is Rulers of Evil. I just want you to note the names and see where these people or some of them are today. William Casey was then, at that time, director of the CIA, Richard Allen, national security advisor, National Security Advisor, and High Secretary of State, Ambassador at Large, Vernon Walters, Ambassador to the Vatican, Wilson. But the reporter neglected to mention that the entire Senate Foreign Relations Committee was governed by Roman Catholics as well, especially Joe Biden. Where's he today? Subcommittee on European Affairs, Paul Sabanis, International Economic Policy and Oceans and Environment, Mayoyan. John Kerry, where's he today? Terrorism, narcotics, and international communications was his portfolio then. So, do they control very interesting aspects? Fascinating. And of course, they were bonesmen, as we know. Now people will start shouting conspiracy. This is not conspiracy, this is a fact. This is not conspiracy. Now let's have a look at some modern people. Leon Panetta. He was the former director of the Central Intelligence Agency. Leon Edward Panetta is an American politician, lawyer, and professor. He served in Barack Obama's administration as director of the Central Intelligence Agency from 2009 to 11, and as Secretary of Defense from 2011 to 2013. In 1956, he entered Santa Clara University. And in 1960, he graduated magna cum laude with a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science. He also received a Juris Doctor from Santa Clara University. He joined the United States Army, etc., etc., etc. He received the Army Commendation Medal and was discharged in 1966 as First Lieutenant. So running these mighty organizations we have Roman Catholic agents. Al Jazeera says the dangerous rebranding of John Brennan. He's the current director of the CIA. Now where does he get his training? How does this happen? How can a constitutional law professor and community activist and a Jesuit trained intelligent analyst with an interest in just war theory so easily distort language, etc., etc.? I'm not really interested in the details. Who controls him? He's Jesuit trained. 
Bill Clinton was Jesuit trained. The CIA, the FBI, to this day, they were founded by agents of Rome, and today, agents of Rome are controlling them today. Nothing has changed. The Tower of Babel, and here you have the Queen of Heaven and her little child, Horus, on the Tower of Babel. Rome makes no doubt, makes no secret of its affiliations. It associates itself with the Tower of Babel. She's the queen, queen of Babel. God divided the nations, and it's been Satan's aim to reunite them in apostasy against God. And we are heading for that final apostasy. The European Parliament building is nothing other than a reconstruction of the Tower of Babel. This was at the London Olympics. There you had the five rings of the Olympics, which symbolized the union of the five continents. A one-world government. But it's not complete until the capstone comes down on it. And who's the goddess of the night? Isis. And so they planned it precisely according to the astrological and astronomical calendar, so that the full moon would rise and join the rings to complete the pyramid. And whether it's inverted or whether it's upright makes no difference. The one is the male factor, the other one is the female factor. The world is coming to the point when this one world unity, which will be in opposition to God, is coming into effect. This is the journal America, the National Catholic Review, it is a Jesuit journal. So let's ask the Jesuits to explain who the president of the European Council today is. He was educated at the Katholieke Universiteit Leuven, which is dedicated to Mary, the mother of Jesus under a traditional attribute, the seat of wisdom. We'll have to talk about that. Now let's see what the Jesuit journal has to say. One interesting thing about Mr. Ron van Rompuy is his Catholicism, about which he makes no bones. He was educated, drum roll, s'il vous plaît, by Jesuits in Brussels. The top leaders in the world are Jesuits or Jesuit trained. They wield the power. This is the emblem of Georgetown University. This taken directly from their webpage. The seal of Georgetown University, it bears the founding date, 1789. The university motto, Trac Unum, both into one. And Latin inscription, Collegium Georgio Platanum, at Ripas, whatever, which means Georgetown College on the banks of the Potomac in Maryland. This is where the presidents get educated. This is where the legislators get edu educated. They have the Roman eagle, and it says, both into one. If you check a little bit further on their webpage, they will lie to you, or on other webpages, about this, and they will say to you, oh, this is uh, the dividing line between the Jew and the Gentile that has been taken away, and they have been united. Nonsense. This is the union of church and state. The union of church and state. This is what will be achieved, whether we like it or not, and it will be under the auspices of the Roman eagle. And that is why there's a holy alliance which was formed between the two, and the eagle forms part of the Pontifex Maximus' symbol on the very seat of his power, I took that picture in the Vatican on the floor as you enter St. Peter's. And there is the emblem. And this is the symbol of the United States of America, and it has exactly the same thing. Here it says, in Latin, he, God, favored our undertaking and a new order of the ages. You know these things. Here is the symbol of the eagle in Rome under the papal keys on the coin of the Vatican, and here is the famous eagle as it is in the garden of the Vatican, sculpted by Pope Paul V.
Now, this is a statement that some say he never made, but many claim that he did make it. And even if he didn't make it exactly like this, it is found in others of his writings almost like this. So we can say it's quite authoritative. Woodrow Wilson wrote, I'm a most unhappy man. I have unwittingly ruined my country. A great industrial nation is controlled by its system of credit. Our system of credit is concentrated. The growth of the nation, therefore, and all our activities are on the hands of a few men. We have come to be one of the worst ruled, one of the most completely controlled and dominated governments in the civilized world. No longer a government by free opinion, no longer a government by conviction and the vote of the majority, but a government by the opinion and duress of a small group of dominant men. And he said that after he signed into law the Federal Reserve. Now, this is the Globe and Mail business report, 10 September 2013. The CEOs of some of the world's top mining companies did not come to the Vatican to pray. See Pope Francis or traips through the sweltering halls of the Vatican Museum. They came to discuss ways to make their industry a little bit less devilish. And you have to give the Vatican credit for all-star drawing power. Any mining conference would have been envious of the guest list. Saturday's Day of Reflection with the Mining Industry, which was organized by the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace, the Vatican Department that deals with earthly matters such as promoting human rights, included the CNOs, CEOs of Anglo-American, PLC, Rio Tinted, Newmont Mining. These three men alone represented companies with well more than 100 billion US dollars in market value. Discussions taking place at the Vatican. Bilderberg. 2000 and work 13, welcome to 1984. After 59 years of Bilderberg, guests scuttling through the shadows, ducking lenses, etc., etc., here they come. And there is this lady, Acadia, who is the IMF boss today. She's a Bilderberger. In my previous lecture, I showed that the Bilderbergers were formed and started by the Jesuits. Now here's an interview which is rather fascinating. And this interview, if we can have the sound up in a moment, this interview is with a whistleblower. Now whistleblowers are causing quite a bit of trouble for the current regimes. And this is no ordinary whistleblower. This was one of the advisory lawyers in the International Monetary Fund. This is one of the whistleblowers who blew the whistle on multi-billion frauds and eventually, for her whistleblowing, she got a pink slip. But let's listen to what this person, with her insight within the financial systems of the world, has come up with in her thinking. Hello, I'm Greg Hunter. Welcome to USAWatchdog.com. With us today, a brand new guest. Her name is Karen Houdis. Uh, she is an attorney, she is a banker, and she is a whistleblower. Karen Houdis, thank you so much for joining us today from Maryland. Thank you so much. Well, you work for the World Bank for a better part of 20 years. You are an Ivy League trained attorney. Uh, you are went to Ivy League school. I think you went to Yale. Uh, you uh, you work for the World Bank as a lawyer. You're a banker, and you were a whistleblower inside the World Bank, not just one time, but several times. A crescendo with a a big, uh, almost a billion dollar, uh, you know, whistleblowing fraud, malfeasance in the World Bank in Indonesia. And for that, you got a pink slip in 2009. Getting back to the Federal Reserve and the Bank for International Settlements, um, these groups are in cahoots with the biggest crooks of all, the Jesuits that bought up Bank of America, and they have little secret deals to try to apportion the riches of the world. And in the meantime, all of the countries of the world know that this thievery is going on. We are talking about the biggest thuggery of all and that is the Jesuits in the Vatican. And let me tell you what I just found out. Um, I always thought that the CIA was the problem and the, you know, the other intelligence agencies. Guess what? There's a grand intelligence agency that the Vatican puts out, and all of those other crooks are operating under the Vatican intelligence agency. The money That's is what's about going on. 
the money is about the control. And the, the Vatican Intelligence Agency, the World Intelligence Agency, they're talking about we're fighting over money, over what money we're going to use no, and who controls that's the, that's the money. No, that's what I'm saying, Greg. They're not fighting. They've all agreed. The fighting is what we're led to believe. They're all in cahoots, just like all the banks are in cahoots. All of these intelligence agencies are in cahoots, too. For example, people don't know that their IRS revenue is going to the Vatican. Now, there's a whistleblower, and I don't think she's a fool. I think she saw through it. Pope John XXIII made the following statement. The mark of Cain is stamped upon our foreheads. Across the countries our brother Abel was slain in the blood which we drew and shed tears we caused by forgetting thy love. Forgive us, Lord, for the curse we falsely attributed to their name as Jews. Forgive us for crucifying thee a second time in their flesh, for we knew not what we did. Now, lest I be accused of being an anti-Semite, I am not. Lest I be accused of being an anti-Catholic, I am not. I'm not anti-anyone, I'm just pro-Jesus Christ. But, he claims the mark of Cain is stamped upon their foreheads. He's just stating a fact, he knows it. They have the mark of Cain. They have the authority to rule. And they are exercising the authority. And what he says is that they slew Abel all over again in the form of the Jews, but they want to be forgiven for that. Does he ask forgiveness for the Inquisition and the slaughter of millions of Christians? No. Because those who reject Christ are part of his mindset. So all that he has done in the statement has said the mark of Cain is on upon our forehead and we welcome into our midst anyone who has the same enmity against Jesus Christ. That's all he's saying. But they're clever. They hide it under this language so that you will not see it. Netanyahu thanks the Pope for Jewish exoneration. So Pope Benedict went a step further and exonerated them from the guilt of the crucifixion. He's very kind. He wields the power. He has the mark of Anu. He can do it. Sunday is the, our mark of authority. The churches above the Bible and this transference of Sabbath observance is proof of that fact. Catholic record. A person who violates the sanctity of Sunday is to be punished as a heretic, John Paul II. The EU must keep Sunday, says the Catholic Church. Is it directing its attention against God's law in the public domain, yes or no? Yes. Catholic Church and trade unions form holy alliance to a forced Sunday observance. Let me take you down into the bellows of that 33-degree lodge in Washington. And this is Albert Pike's room. He is uh, revered as a god down there. Everything is meticulous. And there on, one, on the windows it says, Ordo ab cao, order out of chaos. We know that he planned, Albert Pike planned three world wars in a letter to Mancini. We shall unleash the nihilists and the atheists and we shall provoke a formidable social cataclysm which in its horror will show clearly that to the nations the effect of absolute atheism, origin of savagery and the most bloody turmoil. Then everywhere the citizens obliged to defend themselves against the minority of revolutionists will exterminate those destroyers of civilization and the multitude disillusioned with Christianity will receive the pure light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer, the destruction of Christianity and atheism, both conquered and exterminated at the same time. Here is the gigantic mural in the United Nations Security Council chamber. 
And there you see the phoenix rising out of the ashes of a destroyed mankind. Are we heading for the final clash? Two lines. The rule of law and the rule of the spirit. This is now a definition from legal dictionary. The rule of law according to law, rule under law, rule according to a higher law. The rule of law is an ambiguous term that can mean different things in different contexts. In one context, the term means rule according to the law. No individual can be ordered by the government to pay civil damages or suffer criminal punishment except in strict accordance with the well-established and clearly defined laws and procedures. And in the second context, the term means rule under law. No branch of government is above the law. No public official may act arbitrarily or unilaterally outside the law. In a third context, the term means rule according to a higher law. No written law may be enforced by a governor unless it conforms with certain unwritten universal principles of fairness, morality, and justice that transcend human legal systems. I wonder what that law is. That must be natural law. And who wields natural law? Rome. Rome is the father and the mother of natural law. So she controls all law. She has the mark of Cain. And she says, the sign that I have this authority in the world, a God-given authority, by the way, God permits her to bear that responsibility, is my mark of power. And that is that I changed the Sabbath to Sunday. Now we've all seen this one before, but I just want to emphasize the words rule of law. Let's hear the sound. Where institutions of freedom have lain dormant, the United Nations can offer them new life. These institutions play a crucial role in our quest for a new world order. An order in which no nation must surrender one iota of its own sovereignty. An order characterized by the rule of law rather than the resort to force. Everybody must be subject to the what? The rule of law. And the rule of law is subject to a higher law. And that law is wielded by another authority behind the scenes. That's the legal definition. The only one who has ever laid claim to such a law is the Roman Catholic Church. And so principalities and powers will have to come and pay obeyance. And so Obama will go. He was educated at Harvard. If you enter the Harvard Law School, what is the sign that you see there? The sign of Anu. So here is the power to rule. Battlefield, U.S. Americans face arrest as war criminals under army state law. Luke 21, 26, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. We are heading for a final cataclysm. Senate approves indefinite detention and torture of Americans. The terrifying legislation that allows for Americans to be arrested, detained, indefinitely tortured and interrogated without charge or trial passed through the Senate on Thursday. Is it only applicable to Americans, or is the same thing happening to other nations as well? Do they use torture at Guantanamo Bay, yes or no? Is it a common known fact? Do they use waterboarding and other methods that we don't know of? Well, why would the U.S. clergy seek release of a Senate report on post-9-11 torture? if they weren't torture. And I want to remind you of history. Did the nations in the past employ torture to those who differed from their principles? Yes or no? Did the Syrians do it? Yes. And if you go down the line, did the Romans do it? Yes. And whenever it came to that point, once they reach a certain point, 70 times 7, when probation closes for them, it ends. But normally these nations became cruel and tortured people. Are they showing pictures of people in terrible states with chemicals on them and all kinds of stuff like that? Who supplies these 
things. Who makes it possible for them to use it? Whoever uses it? I'm not interested in who's using it. I'm not accusing anyone. I'm saying that the children are evil, of children who rule over the children of evil, are using the methodologies which the Bible describes throughout history. And we are at that point in history. Did Obama sign a martial law, executive order, as folks headed to happy hour last Friday? President Obama signed an executive order that could, could potentially give him the power of instituting martial law, even in a time of peace. Verizon forced to hand over telephone data, full court ruling. Are you being watched? Did Herod have a secret police force that dragged any dissident to justice, which he was permitted to to bring about. Absolutely. Are we at that same point in history? There's only one little difference. All those others served this type. And they were all local. But this one is universal. This is the last one. Huffington Post denounces George W. Obama. It's beautiful. There they have George Bush, and there you have Obama listening to your conversations. And they fused the two brilliantly into George W. Obama. What does that picture say? The picture says it doesn't make any difference whether it's the one ruling or the other. The same power behind the scene controls them both. When Obama came to power, he screamed about all the irregularities and terrible laws that the previous one had made. Did he rescind one? No. Not one. God's word has given warning of the impending danger. Let this be unheeded and the Protestant world will learn what the purposes of Rome really are. Again, I purposely choose great controversy because we as a people believe that this must be given to the world. Only when it is too late to escape the snare, she is silently growing into power. Her doctrines are exerting their influence in legislative halls, in the churches and in the hearts of men. She is piling up her lofty and massive structures in the secret recesses of which her former persecutions will be repeated. I don't want to speak about FEMA camps and this and that and the other. I don't care how many bunkers they build or how many camps they build. I know one thing. That the confrontation will be between the powers of evil and the powers of good. And the only power that can control the power of evil is Jesus Christ himself. And I'm but a pawn in this game. But I can choose sides. I can choose sides. And the Lord can spare me from the sword if he so wishes. And even if he doesn't, he can resurrect me. But the other one can't. Stealthily and unsuspectedly she is strengthening her forces to further our own ends when the time shall come for her to strike. My church is basking in the sunshine of her acceptance. Mm. Sitting in the sunshine, moving her little feet in ecstasy. Don't you know where you are sitting? Don't you know what can happen to you? Don't you know that you can be grabbed at any moment? All that she desires is vantage ground, and this is already being given her. We shall soon see and shall feel what the purpose of the Roman element is. Whoever shall believe and obey the word of God will thereby incur reproach and persecution. Make no bones about it. On the same day that President Obama called for a new international order to solve the challenges of our time, Pope Benedict called for a new international order. Both of them are accustomed to interesting hand signs, as we see, with both hands. Time magazine, a new world pope. 
Meet the press. Jesuit priest and Ignatius Press founder Joseph Fessio said, those who rebel against the church's authentic teaching are rebelling against God. Rebelling against which God? Revelation 19.15, and out of the mouth, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. 1 Corinthians 15.24, note this text. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. They are permitted to rule. They have been granted by God the mark of Cain. They can exercise their power to a limit which God sets. And when that limit comes, he ends it. He's done it through history. We've looked at it. And we are at the point when the same principles that applied to the close of probation in all the other kingdoms are coming to a head in our time. If people do not want to see it, that's their business. But it is my duty, my duty to make them aware of the danger that they are in. And I appeal to my church, and I appeal to the world to look at the Protestant heritage and to look at what we taught as a church and to warn the people of the coming danger rather than cuddling up to that. It is now time to make a decision and may God help us to make the right one. Amen. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit AmazingDiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.